It's almost here. In motion is Patton. It's going to be that trap play to Garbarino up the middle. That's a 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Big outs! Cooper Garbarino, 77 yards. We're closing in on the start of Big Elk football, which means Big Elk TV will be on the air before you know it. Wynn and Garza are the running backs. Jones under center. Austin, snap, turn, hand out to win. Jaden piles toward. It's a touchdown for the Big Elks. You'll be able to watch and see if Coach Maynard's brown and white clad Elks can continue their winning ways. Snap back, play action, lobs it toward the end zone. He's got a man. It's a touchdown for the Big Elks. Tucker Garza. To get your business on the Big Elk TV screen, call 225-9696 or stop by our office at 220 South Pioneer. Throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Calc with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. 225-9698 is the phone or the text line. That's 225 225- Nine six nine eight. Give us a call, shoot us a text. We can talk about any of those things. Whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to chime right in at two two five nine six nine eight. If you're going to be outside the listening area one of these days, you want to stay in touch with us live. You can do that kadsam.com. Download the app. The app's got it all. It's got radio. It's got the penny news. Brand new edition of that penny news hits the website at midnight tonight. Check it out at thepennynews.com. Of course, Big Elk and Paragon TV. Speaking of Big Elk TV, Coach Maynard tomorrow, 9.30. And then also Coach Murray, softball, starts Monday. And he'll be here at, on, at Friday, Friday at 9.30. So uh, we'll get some Big Elk sports in here toward the end of the week. And then the Skinny on Sports podcast. If you miss the show entirely, you can find that anywhere where other podcasts are. Just go to a podcast place, find it. It's there. Hello, Jared. Good morning. Y'all learned up on Ole? Oh, yeah. All learned up. I don't know, there's a lot of paranoia. Is oil there. still $80 a barrel above 80? Right at 81. Right at 80? 81, I think, is what it, What I just looked at it. Which is good. WTI at, at 81, that's not bad. You get above 80. I'm even comfortable around 75. And I'm no expert. I'm not in the oil and gas business other than receiving a very small royalty check oh well look at you mailbox uh, mailbox money no yeah exactly right it's nothing crazy but i keep an eye on that wti because that where that come from yeah so it's at 75 80 it's 81 it's pretty good it's not bad a lot of paranoia though we were talking about royalty checks and stuff and people or one person texting in a little paranoid Saying Harold Ham is robbing her. Yeah, I saw that. Like, yeah, Harold Ham needs to rob you. Maybe that's how he got to Rich, Jared. Yeah, that's it, right? It's no, seriously. He did the office space method. Just <laughs> yeah. since every time. Over that many years, all of a sudden it's yeah, billion dollars. Yeah, he hasn't got caught yet. It's working. Yeah. Well, really, who looks for fractions of a cent? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He not only took that, he took your stapler too. Anyway. Just saying. It was sound theory that just didn't work out great movie great movie hey uh, last night right after work just kind of i went home for lunch and my wife said hey grab a swimsuit we'll meet you at the pool after work because this is the last week that the pool is open so and and my oldest hasn't been yet god bless her so all right we got to take so we took her last night first time i've been in there pretty cool and <laughs> it's first time my wife's been in there so we tried every one of the pools, you know, there's of course a toddler pool and a little wading pool and like the normal waist deep three foot pool and uh, then the plunge pool. And I didn't think my girls would really want to do the plunge pool. It's like that big 12 foot pool. Oh yeah, they did. They wanted to. So we walked over there. We're walking into the plunge pool. You know, there's stairs. Well, my wife must have miscounted. 
went to step on what she thought was the last step, and she plunged right down. <laughs> she popped up like, "Whoa, I meant to do that." <laughs> Lost her sunglasses. Katie, that- Katie had to go down and get them. <laughs> she didn't. She thought there was one more step <laughs> before she had to start treading water. Is that where her keys went? <laughs> <laughs> oh god found him <laughs> i'm putting my phone on airplane mode right now <laughs> oh, goodness oh so, man. i don't know what the plunge pool is other than i guess just plunging down to the bottom it's exactly what it is it's a 12 foot deep pool it's really neat they have on one side they have a rock climbing wall that you can rock or you can climb okay, yeah, right I've out seen the pictures water. of it yeah and then there's there's not diving boards at this pool, but there's just platforms. And there's one that's not so high for the little yeah, ones. Yeah. And that's the ones my kids did. They weren't brave enough. And Way there's a there. higher one where, you know, I saw some kids, they were doing backflips and gainers and all that stuff. And I'm, it's, uh, yeah. And then the slides, my kids, there's like three, well, there's a slide on the plunge pool side. And then there's three different variant, various slides they go into like that mid pool. So we say twelve. You're talking about twelve feet deep. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And kids love that. It's a great addition for Oak City. I, I, I was impressed, very impressed, and sad that it's going to close up. I mean, it's hard to find a lot of time to go when we're constantly chasing kids on ball fields and in gyms. But we found that time, and and it's it's great. I I'm glad it's here. Yeah, when I saw that last night on Facebook, I was a little taken aback. Like, huh? Just because, but then once I I get it, as far as it you yeah. know, being Friday the last day, I I, I totally get it. I, I understand why because you know at that those times of day and and that seasonal aspect of that pool, the workers are going to always tend to skew younger, and that means mm-hmm. school starting for all them. Yeah, and so I I, t- I like when I first yeah. saw it, I thought what. And then I was then when I read it, I was like, well, I guess it makes sense. I mean, right. you can't. And it feels like it just opened. Well, and that's another but, thing. It's so new, right? And it kind of has just opened. But when it like next year when right. it opens on Memorial it'll Day, it'll be weekend, more back to the be, normal yeah, flow. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of a lot more time there. And then who knows? They might find some employees that can stick around longer. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's very very. Well, it was really cool. I kind of forgot they did this was. Where a food truck can just pull up, they could open up a gate right there on the uh, west side. They can open up a gate and just have a food truck. Or they had one right there that had like, you know, slushies and nachos and mm-hmm. everything you want. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's a it's very it's incredible. I mean, you knew what the pool was, which was a fine pool, but to remember what it was to see what it is now, absolutely top notch, incredible. Probably a totally different experience. Totally different. Well, that's awesome. You know what I got? You know what I did last night? What'd you do? Which, listen, when I say, "Hey, well, yeah, you got to do this and I got to do that," I really am proud of myself because I know these. I know people who have struggled with these things. So, it's been raining ever since we moved. Basically, you know, the whole month of June, first month, of, first part of the month of July. But now, when I look at the lawn, little crispy. Yeah, I've had sprinklers going. And, and we yeah. had a, we had a little uh, – our man, Scotty, came by and did some spraying on some different things. So that – and he said, listen, it's going to even make some of that – it's going to make it look even more crispy because we're getting rid of what you don't want, you know. Which I did too, and I'm <laughs> seeing the results, yeah. And so last night, I, th- I got home and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to start – I've got to turn the figure out how to turn the sprinklers on. And so I went through the little book, read it, did all the things, thought I had it set for odd days, like at 3 a.m. Okay. I was feeling pretty comfortable that I had figured this out. So I take off mowing, and I get to the front yard, The well, I guess it would be kind of the east side front yard. And I've, I mean, I don't have but like eight or nine passes left, and I'm done. And the sprinklers kick on. Oh, dear. I was like, there is no... Okay, so I stopped mowing, and I'd read through the book, and I thought, okay, what happened? I went, and it... So 
it didn't explain real well to me. Like he's got program A, B, and C. Well, it felt to me if I if I programmed A, it was just gonna because it, it was on A. Uh-huh. Well, it was using them all, uh, and so I had to kind of turn the rest of them off. But proud to report here on August first, one being an odd number day, I got up. And it was clear that the sprinklers had run. There you go. Now, here's the key. That they're not running right now. (laughs) And constantly running more than what we want them to. Very very good. You know, as a a man, that makes you feel pretty good that you can... (laughs) It does feel good when you... Sort of, maybe, possibly program the sprinkler thing. Figure something out. We, yeah. Sprinkler stories I have, one of them is actually here at Elk City playing at Oak City at Ackley Park, of course, when the grass was still there. And we're right there in the middle of the game, and I'm in right field. And all of a sudden, I feel this wet on my well, side. I look over, and the sprinkler had come on. We had to stop the game. I mean, from pers- from our shared personal experience, you know who doesn't know how to run the sprinklers? Hunt. <laughs> You're saying that on air. Okay. Well, I mean, it feels like every year the home opener, about 915, <laughs> sprinklers come on. <laughs> I mean, I, full, yeah, that's right. I, I fully expect there to be a four or five minute delay during the Bridge Creek game, about first of the fourth quarter, to go turn off the sprinklers. Yeah, it'll be over by then. It'll be over by then, anyways. Yeah, anyhow, they might say, "I just let's just call it." Anyhow, let's water the lawn. I do know that's happened about every year between the sprinklers <laughs> and the popcorn machine at the Pioneer Center game one that kicks on <laughs> the kicks on the <laughs> yes the oh man uh, kicks on the, the fire. <laughs> Careful, he might call these coaches and say, don't go over there. <coughs> you do not go on their show. <laughs> we kid. Oh, heavens. It's funny. All right, so Major League Baseball trade deadline. There's been a bunch of different moves. He's got a text um, talking about the deadline that, you know, high-leveraged bullpen arms seem to be kind of Hot commodity right very now. Very hot commodity. Very valuable. And I think that's that's certainly changed through the years as the game has changed. You know, back when we were kids or in, in high school or college even, what was everybody looking for? Starting pitching. It may be a bat off the bench or what have you. But now with the way the game is managed and, and how much more the bullpens get used – that's a huge part of this mm-hmm. is having enough of those guys to where you feel like, okay, my starter goes five, five and a third, whatever it is, we can slam the door at the back end with three or four just, I mean, high voltage arms. And that just feels like the way the game is played. <coughs> and so, that being said, doesn't it feel like everybody's eyes are focused on the Mets right now to see exactly what happens with Justin Verlander? Sure, they're selling everything. As You'd think he'd be the next one. I wonder if there'd be some contract issues of people not wanting to take on his contract. I haven't really dived too much into that. Very similar to what Scherzer had. Okay. And is there no trade clauses, yes. which means nothing. Which I actually they sign off on it. Yeah, but I, you know, here's what's interesting, and I don't know if this was tongue-in-cheek. I never could quite tell, but you know, his brother, supposedly his no-trade clause has its – it's twofold, him and his brother. Hmm. I think it was a joke, but man, his brother Ben was doing a good job of making it seem like it was real <laughs> on Twitter. I think it was just all tongue in cheek. But anyhow, yeah, it, it's. I did see where he is not against waiving it, but it has to be to somebody that is in like win now mode for the next season or two which makes sense he's on the back you know he's he's getting toward the end and so that's that was the one stipulation that he had said about the no trade clause was it has to be to somebody that's that's all in for the next year or two and that's why when you look up and you see Dodgers Astros mm-hmm. are the two teams being mentioned the most but then la- last night it started Oh, there's a there's a new team. There's a mysterious team kicking the tires on Justin Verlander. And then today I saw who that was. Could it be right down the turnpike? Right down the Could it be the Yankees? It's not. Not the Yankees. You always think the Yankees would be a player in this thing. Who who is it? 
Let me wait. Hold on. Let me think. They have to be contenders, right? Uh, Braves? Nope. Baltimore? Baltimore. Baltimore. That's exactly who it is. Well, I'm sure there's a turnpike connected to New York. To <laughs> yeah, Baltimore. yeah, it's right Maybe there. Maybe I'm right. Yeah, Baltimore, uh, which is not. It's just it's weird to see. First off, it's weird to see that logo <clears throat> on top because it hasn't been very good for you. Know, they haven't been very good, but man, then you start looking through a lot of these different rankings of, of farm and and guys that the prospects starts to make sense. Starts yeah. to make sense that uh, Baltimore's has done a good job in that way, and that could be an interesting thing. It, would the, would the Orioles? And not just necessarily for one shot, because they're going to be there for a while now. I mean, because they still got dudes, obviously Jackson Holiday, top of mind here, of guys that are still coming. They're still in the pipeline to get to the bigs. So, you know, that's that's always that question. It it almost feels like a like an NBA-type question when one of these young teams, Thunder, or could it be, you know, Memphis or whoever else, as they start to recover and as they start to, to play well, What's the right timing to kind of push your chips? Is it too early for Baltimore to make the, in, in you know in their process, or are they comfortable enough with what they have, even even giving up a prospect or two? Are they still comfortable enough with everything they have to say, you know what, we can afford to lose that. We've got this. Boom. Let's see. If I'm Baltimore, I'm not trying to go. I'm not being overzealous with this because suddenly we have a taste of success. We think we're title contenders and we're going to push all our chips to the middle and I might be talking out both sides of my face because the Rangers has been a while since they've had a taste of success and it appears that they're kind of doing that but they we've gone over that trade yesterday so I'm comfortable with it but I, back to Baltimore if they want someone like Verlander they I, I wouldn't again sell the farm or because if I'm looking at them and I'm thinking if, if I'm Baltimore I'm thinking yeah, we're having success, but we want to sustain it. So how do people like Houston do it? You know, how the Yankees always done it? How do the Dodgers, they seem to always contend in, uh, in the West, in the NL. So how do they do it? That's a model I'm looking at. So that's where I would go. So, But if the, but if the deal is right, you don't pass up on Verlander, sure. You go for it. You go get him. But be careful who you give up. Don't give up your farm. You mentioned those guys, you know. Yeah, it almost feels and then like – I question Verlander's um, – um, I mean, how much how much does he have left? He's been in the league for a minute. And I, I, you know, he hasn't been necessarily. I haven't seen his stats. I'm not hearing his name. Um. This year, he's been better than Scherzer. Yeah, as far I mean, as stats yeah, wise, yeah. You know, because well, well I, that's such an easy comparison to make. But but you look at the record of the Mets, and that's maybe that's why no right. one's talking about these guys. That's it. But you find them a good fit, like maybe Scherzer's a good fit in Texas, who's a contender if, if Verlander can get to Baltimore or the Dodgers, you know, then all of a sudden you're gonna hear about him a lot more. But but um uh, I question same thing I question about Scherzer is like, well, if he can be all star Scherzer, then this is a good get. But you know, if, if Verlander can be top Verlander, the guy we've seen in Houston and what, Detroit, I mean he's he's a good get. So uh, be careful, Baltimore. Don't give up too much for a guy that might age out in a couple seasons, and then you've given up some young prospects for him. But you know me. I mean, I'm kind of the same way with Otani about giving up the farm and everything. And yeah. I like a, I like a, I like, I like uh, security. Yeah, this is a lot different than that to me. I mean, I would be a little bit more leery about giving up prospects that you see with big league futures here than I would have I I don't give I don't care what you wanted for Otani fine this is different than that just because of his age obviously do you think there's going to be a shocker like well I mean will there be a will there be a I guess here's how to ask this question because Verlander is so in the like in the in the the, the limelight of this I think someone come out. Old. Will there be somebody that's a bigger name or, or a better player than Verlander traded today? I haven't heard or read anything that, that would indicate there will be. You know, there was Arenado talk. There was Goldschmidt talk a week and a half ago. That seemed to die down. I actually saw Juan Soto's name before San Diego kind of started coming alive. You know, Blake Snell also there 
with the with the uh, Padres and Hater as well. Those guys free agents at the end of the year. So what do you do if you're San Diego? I tend to say no. I I, I think Verlander, if he gets moved, and I think he's going to get moved. I think he'll be kind of the biggest name of the day. Right. I just, I, that's the way it feels to me right now. Is he'll be the biggest name of the day that gets moved. Uh, another big story coming out today. Real quick, yeah. 5 p.m., that's the deadline? Yeah, 5 p.m. our time. Awesome. Okay. That's correct. Uh, another big <clears throat> news item of the day is that George Kliakoff, the commissioner of the Pac-12, is going to unveil his media rights deal to the ADs, presidents, the remaining nine Pac-12 members. Lots of speculation about what this is. I mean, I think it's interesting that he's decided to do it now. I mean, what could have possibly changed? <laughs> well, what do you think? Outside of Colorado leaving. I mean, how much do you think that would affect anything with Colorado leaving? Like, my question is, do you think he still has – Let's say he had a deal in his pocket with Colorado in the fold. Do you think that deal is still the same without that? Oh, no. See, I do. I don't know that Colorado changes much. You don't much. think it makes – No. I wondered if, if just having Deion Sanders makes makes a difference for networks or whoever, streaming services, whatever he's going to present, if that makes a difference for what they want to pay. It's like we want, we want Neon on our screens. Yeah, I don't know how that anybody can assure you that you get to see neon on your screens at Colorado a year from now. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a good point. What I'm saying, I don't, I don't think Colorado is such a substantial loss that you know San Diego State or Air Force or somebody like that wouldn't step into their spot if that's what happens, and I think the money stays the same. But I think the scary part of Colorado leaving is what could leave now because everyone else is spooked. <clears throat> so when you when this deal is kind of gets out there into the public, a do you, what what do you where do you think the money is going to be compared to the Big 12's deal, and maybe even more importantly, b how is it going to be distributed? Yeah, does that even matter as far as much because you mentioned. What will it look like? Like, what network or streaming service? There might be, like, like in Arizona, for example, or Utah. Like, okay, big deal. We're getting a nice paycheck out of this, but no one's going to see it. And I can't sell the school on that. I can't sell recruits to this school saying, hey, congratulations. You're going to be a Utah Ute, and your parents can watch on Amazon Prime. That That's, that's a hard sell for a recruit. Like, I'd rather go to the Big 12 and be on – ESPN or go to the Big Ten and be on NBC. Uh, I, especially for that's the where, same. That's where schools, I think. Here's will, the deal: for the same money, it's a no-brainer. If you're worried about exposure, now Big Twelve is like thirty-one point seven million a piece. If the Pac-12 was fifty million, but eighty percent streaming. Then I think you've got a huge decision to make. Mm-hmm. If the Pac-12 is 31.7 million and 80% streaming, if you're worried one iota about the exposure, you're out of there. You're completely out of there. And I think that, be, and maybe if this was five years down the road, this feeling wouldn't be quite as strong. But with the way college football has been built up over the past two, three decades, four letters are the biggest part of that, and that's ESPN. And I think that the people that have been in it know it or feel it, and right or wrong, they're scared to death not to have that connection because you're, they don't think anybody's going to realize they're playing college football if you're not and listen i don't i think it's undeniable that when you watch the shows outside of the game outside of the live broadcast but when you watch all the college football content mm-hmm. it's skewed 
toward the conferences that ESPN has deals with. And basically that's everybody but the Big Ten. For the, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying. It it feels like it's, and the SEC has been the, the conference in in, in college football. I get it, and so the, we're probably going to do that even more anyways. But it does seem like there's there's a little bit of a slant there, and I understand, and, and this may even validate that more than anything. With these schools, the nah, we got we got to have at least some part of of that ESPN slash Fox influence otherwise no one's and, and and on the west coast they have a hard time knowing anybody knows they play football anyway right right so will arizona be in the big 12 by close of business tomorrow oh man i don't i'm not ready to go that far but there might be as far as tomorrow close of business tomorrow i would think it would be more like we were going to get a lot of news the same way we got the Colorado news. Add by the end of the week, I'd be more inclined to say yes. Okay, so all right, we got a text here. Rumor only Arizona only comes if Arizona State and Utah come. See, I've heard that Utah doesn't want any part of BYU and being in the same conference as BYU. But when push comes to shove, BYU may not be near as bad as being left out in the cold for nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're and if you're anybody but Oregon and Washington in this out in the Pac-12, how do you have any trust whatsoever that you're gonna not, that you're not gonna miss the boat here just by hoping that they don't get a Big Ten offer, right? Yeah. Because let's be honest, Oregon and Washington get a Big Ten offer, they're gone as fast as they can go. And so, are you always gonna be setting there? With your kind of an eye up to the northwest, even if you stay, Colorado said no. We're not doing that. I think Arizona end of the week easy. I think tomorrow, because here's the thing: there's no way this deal can be something earth shaking to change everybody's mind. And Arizona's mind is made up; they're gone because they don't want to be left out in the cold. Right. We talked about one or three yesterday. If it is three, if the Big 12 really, really wants to get three more, Arizona being one of those, could it be Arizona State, Utah, or is it only Oregon, Washington? If they're getting three? If they, yes. So who's coming with Arizona? Arizona's in. Gotcha. Would the Big 12, I'm asking this because for the longest time, everyone's just assumed the Big 12 will take anybody. And now they can say no to people. That's right. I think that they want Oregon, Washington. Right. Oh, there's no. I, both know, of us agree. There's no doubt they'd take them. Right. And I've said I've said what I said about Arizona yesterday. I in in based on your marks, I guess love for basketball, and he still sees value in the basketball. Arizona is could be or will or is very attractive for him. And then every once in a while, their football's okay. But the basketball would be a good get for him, and you know, softball. Maybe I, you know, I don't know about the other sports, but you know, you think of Arizona and softball. That's not a bad addition to the conference. They're losing OU. Let's get Arizona. Um, they won Oregon and Washington. I think the more realistic and it, on the text line, I'll I'll give credit to uh, who said this, Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see these schools kind of married to each other, although. OU, OSU kind of broke that mold. But Arizona State, I, I think more real, realistically, Arizona than Arizona State and Utah. I think Utah, they might look at today's uh, grant of rights deal, their, their media deal, excuse me, and go, nah, I think I'd rather be in a conference with BYU than have to stick around for this. Big 12's a lot more attractive. Yeah, I mean, because uh, I just think you're so – Oregon and Washington, whether or not it's here, whether or not it's eventually the Big Ten, I just, I just think that you're so, you're just walking on eggshells, right? Just waiting, you're just waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah. And uh, interesting text. 
the Big Ten, are they just not wanting to look like the are, are, do they really want Oregon and Washington? They're just wanting somebody else to move first. That way, they aren't seen as killing the killing the Pac-12. Is someone losing sleep over that fact? I think so. And this is somebody over, that, over killing the. I'm Pac-12? telling you right now, this is somebody that knows. Really, yes. they don't want to be the one like you're the reason there's you're no the bad more guy. Pac-12. Well, well, think about this, Jared. Who made the deal to be in the alliance? The Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Oh, okay. They were buddies. Kumbaya after the OU Texas announcement, right? And, the, and yeah. you know, COVID, they were in lockstep together. Yeah, yeah. They're the Rose Bowl. In the, I mean, as much as we kind of joke about the Rose Bowl, there, it's still the Rose thing. Bowl is yeah. a thing. For Big Ten and Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then one one other thing. Who's the hoity-toity, we're the smartest, got the best universities the two conferences are like that. Yeah. Pac-12, Big Ten. But at what point does somebody It's like say, Cain and Abel. Yeah. You, it, hey, listen, they'd rather not know he killed him, but he did. <laughs> what 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 if, what if it's – shouldn't it be more like, hey, we respect you, but this is business? Oh, I think that, that at behind the scenes, yes. It's like nothing personal, Big or Pac-12, but this is business. We make a lot more money with Oregon and Washington. Yeah, and that's why it's going. That, that's why Good it'll, luck it'll to happen you. that way. So here's Utah and Arizona first, Oregon, Washington, Big Ten next, and then Arizona State eventually here too. So, like you said, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State here, Oregon, Washington, Big Ten. I just want this to get done so we could actually talk about football on the field. See, I love this. I love this just as much <laughs> as the just games. Lo- I want to talk about the season coming up. I love it. Okay, guess what? I mean, I I mean, it's enjoyable. It's very intriguing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it is. But let's talk about Heisman contenders and national title contenders and who can win the Big 12. And Okay, we'll do that next. I wanna... Good news. It's on my little sheet here. Good deal. It's August 1st. We are getting closer to kickoff. It's a Paul Jones Drug Tuesday also. Rodney and the gang at Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main. We'll tell you all about them. When we come back, also, we've already got people signed up in our contest. Yes, we do. Speaking of college football, the Pick'em is live. We'll be back here on the Skinny on Sports. Paul Jones Drug offers a free service that makes taking your daily medications safe and easy. It's called convenience packaging, meaning they can combine all of your daily medications and put them in sealed separate daily packages. This process replaces you from having to fill your daily medication dispenser. And as always, Paul Jones Drug prepares individual blister packaging for long-term care patients. With their drive through window, curbside service, and free local delivery, it's just more reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street, Milk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust the skinny on sports Mark. yeah Ing. yeah welcome back skinny on sports 98.1 fm the sports animal it's paul jones drug tuesday thank you to rodney and the gang at paul jones drug paul jones drug is care you can trust they're located at 809 north main they are the oldest compounding pharmacy in elk city free local delivery you can drive through and pick your stuff up They'll test you on the curbside, vaccinate you. Also, those long-term care unit packaging, they call them blister packs, down at Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main. Give them a call, 225-2121. That's Paul Jones Drug right here in Elk City. All right, Jared, you wanted to talk about on-the-field college football stuff, even though the -the off-the-field is so much more intriguing right now. (laughs) So we can do it. Uh, Heather Denich, uh, writer for ESPN.com. Using the FPI. By the way, she still works there. I mean, after all these layoffs, she's still there. Uh, of course. Why would that be, Aaron? She has an advantage over some of the others. Oh, she clearly has played a lot enough football to write about it and not get fired. There's a reason why she's a she and not a he so far oh, in the in her uh, life trajectory. Stay there. Anyhow, she says, according to FPI, there are 17 teams that have a legitimate chance, and I'm going to guess this is like it's above a 1%. Yep, at least 1% chance of making the college football playoffs. 17 of them. Mm-hmm. Do you think that number is too high or too low? That have at least a 1% chance or more? 
Yeah. To make the I, – I believe that's about right of making the playoff. Sure. Does she rank them by best percentage? She doesn't really rank them. She, yeah, yeah. That's how she ranked it. Best the, what, whatever the FPI percentage, whatever okay. it generated, that's how she put them in order to discuss article. them. That's the finest article. Get on the same page with you. Okay, go ahead. So, I, I don't disagree. I, th- I think it's always around 20. Yeah, that makes sense. If things fell right for teams in certain conferences or when there's a Cincinnati who's now in the Big 12 obviously but when they're you know when they're really good and they have the right schedule and they've played well the year before or whatever and have enough buzz I think there's all I think there's 20 I mean would we have where would TCU have been a year ago hmm. no well, not in the conversation I don't think so and you know there they are so I think this is a decent number at 17 who do you think who do you th- let's start with you who do you think has the best chance to make the college football playoff next well, year? Well, listen, it, your your mind's going to go straight to Georgia, but I don't think it's that obvious because Georgia is still in the SEC and there's still bigger landmines than, say, other teams and other conferences. That being said, uh, as far as – so when I go away from an SEC, I'm like, I'll start comparing apples to apples here. Like, okay, the best team, the perceived best team out of the Big Ten versus the best team out of the Big 12 and then the Pac-12 – Let's go with Ohio State. I think Ohio – or, or is it Michigan? Ohio State is number one. Well, see, kind With of, the best kind chance. Of, because they're in the they're in a conference that's not as strong. I mean, that's a respectable okay. conference. Okay, 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 wait, wait. I know you think the top-heavy – you got the top-heavy thing about the <clears throat> SEC, right? I know. Georgia's schedule's awful. Well, that too. So, at yeah. what point – okay, could, would we agree? Is Tennessee the best team either – going into the season? I found the article. Okay. Is Tennessee the best team that either Ohio State or Georgia plays? Without looking at the schedule, does Ohio State, well, they play Michigan. Yep, and they're both on the road. So Georgia goes to Tennessee, Ohio State goes to Michigan. I would say Michigan is a better team than Tennessee going into the season. Agreed, agreed. Okay, so that's Ohio State already has one game harder than anybody that that Georgia has. Mm Mm-hmm. At Notre Dame, really? Give that nod, probably, probably to Tennessee though. Tennessee, yeah. Notre Dame wasn't great. They got a little better at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, they end up nine and four. Finished they close pretty strong, and they got Sam Hartman, quarterback from Wake Forest, as a as a transfer. I think we would probably say Tennessee. Yeah, I'd lean Tennessee that. Okay, one. so now it's you know one to one, but then after that. What is Georgia's next hardest game? At Auburn? Maybe. Host Ole Miss or South Carolina? It's one of those three. Uh, so at Notre Dame is clearly a harder game than the, than any of those. What about at Wisconsin? No clue. Jump around. Luke Fickle. No clue. Okay, what about – and this is a – We don't know anything. I'm not right. right. Luke Fickle's a good coach, but let's see here. Okay, what about Penn State? Is it at? No, it's at home. Shoe? But so are all these other games for for Georgia. Oh, for Georgia, yeah. Yeah, Penn State, you better be ready for. Okay. And then this is just a Ohio State-centric one, but where have they had trouble historically within the Big Ten? At Purdue. That's How many right. times have we seen? Purdue. Yes, yeah. at Purdue. So we immediately – that's what I'm saying. Our minds, and, and most of the time rightfully so – our minds immediately go, oh, SEC, their their schedule is so hard. Yeah, not for Georgia. So I think, and oh, by the way, here's another thing that Georgia has that we've seen work for Alabama. They're in the same boat as Alabama. Let's just be honest. Georgia is where Alabama has been when it comes to either making the title game back when it was the BCS or making the 14 playoff right now. They have an extra mulligan than everybody else. Period. End of story. You know, yeah. like an eleven and one Georgia is in the playoff, SEC title or not. You know what I mean? Uh, that's how it feels. So I, I still think Georgia has the best chance because their schedule isn't very hard, and because they're Georgia and they're the two-time defending champ. And I think that that gets some more cachet in that room if it comes down to it than anybody else. I actually don't think Ohio State has the best chance in the Big Ten. 
I think it's Michigan. You think it's Michigan? Absolutely. Michigan hosts that game this year. They beat Ohio State two in a row. Now they have to go to Happy Valley, which Ohio State doesn't. But Michigan's been in the playoff two years in a row. They seem to have kind of <clears throat> gotten over that hurdle. And, oh, by the way, they have a quarterback back, and Ohio State doesn't. And, and what in my mind, an easier schedule. I mean, the games I wrote down for them at Nebraska, how the heck do we know what that's going to be, other than right now, a whipping, right? Well, yeah, it's the same thing about Wisconsin. They were <clears throat> mm-hmm. god-awful last year. New coach, sure, same thing with Nebraska. We don't know. Show me. Show me. At Michigan State, Michigan State, Mel Tucker, they were really good a couple years ago with all those transfers. Last year, not the case. And then, of course, at Happy Valley, host Ohio State. Where, At what point do you get out of, say, that Big Ten or SEC? How many down before you're willing to take somebody out of those two conferences? You know, like when, as you're ranking them, mm-hmm. what's the earliest you would put somebody that's outside of the Big Ten or the SEC? Like, like, do you? Let's let me ask you this: Do you have Bama in whatever order? Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan as the top four. Yes. Okay, you're kind of. Who else are you got in your mind? Yeah, you're gonna hate it. USC. Well, listen. Hate or not, USC has to be involved in this conversation now i will say this their schedule they play about everybody out in the pac-12 they go to notre dame they host utah they host washington they go to oregon then they host ucla that's a pretty good schedule for Mm -hmm. what's in the pac-12 i mean you know a lot of times you kind of miss a couple of those games last year they did this year, not so much. They got everybody. So they, they would be they would be your next one, your first outside of the Big Ten SEC. Yeah, yeah. Followed closely by, um, maybe Clemson. Outside of the S- yeah, Clemson, and then maybe the Big Twelve champ with a one loss. Texas or OU. Yeah, Oklahoma. Oklahoma's going to have a really, really, really hard time in that committee room if everything came together. Like, like they, they almost have to beat Texas and lose to somebody else. Otherwise, I don't know how quality, how many quality wins Oklahoma can even get, at least if you look at wh- where everything is in the preseason. Whereas Texas has a chance to make a huge splash and also kind of have their mulligan card in their back park in their back pocket right off the bat. We saw we've seen this before. 2017, Oklahoma and Ohio State. Get down to the end. Well, it's an easy choice. Oklahoma won at Ohio State. Yeah. And Texas has that chance against Alabama in week two to kind of put themselves there. Mm -hmm. I think I would probably, just looking at schedules, I would probably lean USC first, Texas next, Clemson right there, and then Notre Dame. Notre Dame closed nicely. They're kind of in that Texas boat right there off the bat. They have a chance to make a huge statement hosting Ohio State. And then after that, for a Notre Dame schedule, this one isn't too bad. An early trip to uh, Raleigh in North Carolina State could be, you know, that's always kind of one of those teams you never really know about with the Wolfpack. They host USC. They go to Clemson. So Notre Dame has a – they really have a – as much as Texas does with Bama, Notre Dame kind of has this chance with multiple teams to jump ahead and kind of have, have that tie break in a lot of ways if it comes down to it at the end. I can't wait to see what Hartman can do. It's a different animal at quarterback than what they really kind of had for years with the, with his talent. We'll see if it, it can carry over. 
within the Big 12, what's your biggest question mark as it pertains to maybe somebody making the playoff or at least somebody being able to contend within the conference? Well, could a one-loss champ get in? And, and I don't mean, say, a one-loss because the the question would be answered I think it'd be more likely if it was Texas losing to Alabama and then winning out, winning the Big 12, could they get in? More likely than, say, them losing to, I don't know, landmine game that they weren't expecting to lose. See, I think the easiest way for Texas to get in with one loss, beat Bama, lose to OU, beat OU in the Big 12 final, yeah. the Big 12 title game. Yeah. That way you have the win over Bama and you – Avenge your only loss, right? You know, I think that's a great way to do it. But if you're not Texas or OU, you're going to have to go undefeated to get in, like a TCU last year. Yeah, TCU no, no, didn't. TCU didn't lose. They, they lost that game, excuse me. It, it, de- it depends on the rest of the co- – you, you would think that, though, in the pecking order, on the field, it's SEC, Big Ten. This year, I actually think it's the Pac-12 next because of all that quarterback play that they've got out there. It just seems like a really good year in the Pac-12. Then the ACC and the Big 12 are kind of alike. Mm -hmm. Florida State and Clemson are kind of like Oklahoma. I think they're uh, Oklahoma and Texas. I think both of those are more well thought of than OU to start the season. Texas is right there in the mix with with both of those teams. Yeah, but it it just kind of depends on how the season plays out. And, and the perception, we talk about this with the Pac-12 all the time, with those big games at the first of the year, right? And they inevitably lose them. And they're out of sight, out of mind for two and a half months until all of a sudden it pops up that Oregon's number eight and Utah's number six, or you know, or whatever it's been. And then one of those teams, one of those two teams has to run the table from there. So what's your biggest question mark within the Big 12? It's just, can anybody get there with one loss outside of Texas and maybe Oklahoma? Pretty See, much. I just don't know if there's enough room. I mean, I'm already I'm already reserving two spots for the SEC. So then then you're looking at your Big Ten champ that we think could be Michigan or, or Ohio State. And then you mentioned Pac-12. There's I, just, I guess there's, like, for me, more quality in the Pac-12. With, you mentioned quarterback play. Than there is in the big or in the Big Twelve. I think that's fair. Am I making enough sense? When I think it comes that's fair. down to like a one loss Big Twelve team versus say a one loss USC, they're going to take USC, or a one loss even Utah or Oregon or Washington. I could I feel like they would lean that that way more, and and that's why I say it depends who the loss is for the Big Twelve. If it's OU, their only loss is to Texas, and say reverse it, say that's only loss is to Texas in in Dallas and they go and they beat them in Arlington and for the title that might give them an opportunity but if they go and have one of those games where they just they say they go on the road and lose to Cincinnati by a point by a field goal or something but then they go and they run the table like everyone's gonna go well that was a really bad loss you lost to Cincinnati who finished year six and seven mm-hmm but if it's on the other side, if the shoe's on the other foot for the Pac-12, like, oh, well, Oregon, you're only lost to USC, but uh, that's but USC, they they finish it with only two losses. and the, It's just the quality for me right now, it, and we've said this going in before this conversation, that the Pac-12 has kind of moved their way up because of that quality, because all that quarterback and even some coaches over there that – they seem like to be the third best conference in front of the Big Twelve this year, just this year, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think so. That's <clears throat> what the biggest question for the Big Twelve is: Can they survive a loss and still get in? Because the space is very limited. Well, most years you'd say Oklahoma and Texas. I don't know if you can say that about OU this year because the schedule isn't perceived right. to be very good. Right. And and like it or not, for Big Twelve fans. The perception is the reality of four of the new teams were all well. Three of them were in Power Five conferences a year ago. The other was BYU and Independent, and that's just the way that perception is at the moment. Yeah, if there's a first time 
playoff team. Who is it? Um, SC. USC. They've never been there. That's kind of like a safe bet answer, but I, w- I would say them. Do you think? Are you thinking of somebody like a TCU last year? That was no, what you're no, no, for? no. No, I'm just looking at schedules. For me, it's because I don't think Texas is going to beat Alabama, and then if they lose one more, they're done. I don't know if USC has enough defense with the with the quarterback play in that conference to make it with one loss. I'm going to say Florida State. They have some high profile games, but not very many of them. You know what I mean? I could look like an idiot after week one with that uh, neutral site game in Orlando against LSU. But you win that one, then you're looking at trip to Clemson, trip to Florida, and then, you know, whatever landmines within the ACC, that's not too terrible. And the good news for them is if they're – golly, are they still doing the um, – a lot of those conferences are going away from having the, the divisions as the, the championship game. I don't think that they've eliminated those yet, have they? You know, the Pac-12 obviously did. Did the ACC Not eliminate? I don't. I don't recall. Because if that if they haven't, then that means no Florida State in the in the uh, title game because they're in the same division. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or no Clemson? I'm sorry. So I may I may would lean to Florida State just because of their just because of their schedule. But I really it feels like a chalk year to me. Kind of the same old suspects are going to be there. It does. It, yeah. You know, some years feel like that, some don't. And this one this one does to me. Right. With one of Georgia, Bama, LSU, Michigan, Ohio State. Yeah, you're right. Spots are limited. It's like they're one chair. And even that one may be ripped away. Yeah. Depending on how the season goes for everybody around the country. We'll be back to close up a Paul Jones Drug Tuesday. Paul Jones Drug is Elk City's most experienced compounding pharmacy, meaning they can custom make your prescription medications to your doctor's specifications, safely and effectively providing you with exactly what you need. And for your convenience, Paul Jones Drug has a drive through pickup window as well as curbside service for testing and vaccinations and offers free local delivery. Just a couple reasons you should choose Paul Jones Drug, 809 North Main Street in Elk City. I'm Rodney Skinner with Paul Jones Drug, and I promise we provide care you can trust. The skinny on sports. We've come too far. There's too much to lose. We've got to keep our composure. Keep your composure, Jared. I'm good. We're wrapping up a Paul Jones Drug Tuesday. Paul Jones Drug Care you can trust right here in the Elk City area. Convenience packaging. That is the individual packaging of your daily meds. No, 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 no more pill caddy. No more having to trust yourself to be able to put the right dosage of the right pill on the right day in the right sequence. That's why Paul Jones Drug is care you can trust. They do it for you. Just rip open the package, take your medication, boop, you're done for the day. We've got uh, the DME, which is durable medical equipment. That's your walkers, your canes, your crutches, braces, that kind of thing. Uh, Most insurances are accepted. And also, it's not just the medical stuff, Jared. Great gift gift cards. Gift cards, greeting cards, and gifts. Really cool stuff down there at Paul Jones Drug at 809 North Main, right here in Elk City. Also, we've got a nice little response so far. The second annual Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em is live. I sent out a link yesterday on our Facebook page, the Skinny on Sports Facebook page, that you can – did you click the link? Uh, I believe I did. I signed up. Took you right here. I saw your name. I just wondered yeah. if you click the link. We're gonna. Well, have... I had to sign in when I clicked the link. Said sign in. So I to your in. ESPN account. Yeah, and then when yes. I signed in, took me right there. There you are. So that's the easiest way to do it. It's on ESPN's website under the Fantasy tab. College Pick'em. It's your Western Oklahoma Realty College Pick'em contest year long against the spread. It's going to be an awesome prize pack that I'm nailing down as we speak. Okay, what's the biggest question mark in your mind? for the Oklahoma State Cowboys going into this season? Quarterback play. Quarterback play. We've seen a glimpse of them. Bowman 
being a good quarterback. Let's can he? I think they. I'm listen. Like I said, we saw good stuff from him a little bit at Tech. Let can the coaches mold him into? Uh, I mean, is any better? Is he in a better situation, better offensively situation than where he has been? I think maybe, but I want to see it. So, um, quarterback play for me. I think it all hinges on that, really. A lot of it does. I think it's offensive line that leads to quarterback play mm-hmm. and, and running the football and helping out a little bit. Uh, Bowman clearly isn't the athlete, isn't uh, going to be on the move the way that, that Spencer Sanders was able to kind of erase some offensive line mistakes at times. But at the same time, you know, with the lack of depth, so an injury or two, next thing you know, that led to Sanders being – beaten up a year ago I mean, you could see it in the the just the tcu game itself able to throw it down the field in the first half and you know with the with the shoulder that he had that day second half those balls were starting to float and they were starting to you know become become issues become problems uh, in turnovers so I, I think the o-line starts that with the quarterback play but you're right we haven't seen bowman you know, OU fans remember that first half before he lacerated his spleen back in 2018. But he hasn't played a ton of football. Uh, but from what we have seen, there's ability there. It's just a matter of being able to to utilize it. And and to me, OSU's receiving core is fantastic. And so I think he has the weapons. I think we're going to get to see Ollie Gordon way more this year than we did a year ago, which in my mind will be a good thing for Oklahoma State offensively. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know what's kind of crazy? Think about the the Mike Gundy way at Oklahoma State all these years, and it's been offense, offense, offense. And every every going into every season, the question: what if I ask you this question, it'd be defense. That's kind of trended away. Like I don't, I think Oklahoma State's defense is going to be pretty good. But the question is the offense. It's the offense all of a sudden, yeah. and that that was just one of those things you could take for a, you take for granted. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, she's going to get forty a game. Can they hold their opponents to thirty nine? Seems like that switched a little bit, mm-hmm. and and the defense to me at Oklahoma State isn't nearly the question mark. Even though they lost all of those good players to the transfer portal, yeah. the portal that went to big time schools, well, the, I still feel like their their defense is going to be weird. good. Just staying in state, it's kind of the same thing in Norman, where we've. Oh gosh, kinda, not for me. It's kind of shifted. Where everything we've talked about this offseason is the defense, like with their acquisitions that they've gotten. You think the offense is going to be humming? Oh, I have way less concern about OU's offense than OU's defense. Well, I mean, just I because. question OU's wide receivers. Who's going to be the number one wide receiver? Okay. That question was floated out there last week. Got me thinking, well, who could it be? Farouk, he's your deep threat guy. Can't be him all the time, though. Can't throw to him all the time. Yeah, okay, whatever. Can they hold anybody to under 40? I, mean, I, I get why people just are, well, it's Venables. He can't be that bad. Oh, McCullough from Indiana, da-da-da-da-da-da. Show me. I, I'm not, not going to go out on any limb. For Oklahoma's defense until I see it, and I'm talking about, and I'm not, I'm talking about till I see it in the Cotton Bowl at Dallas. Yeah, because leading up to that, what did we see last year? Oh my gosh, this defense is so improved. Venables has fixed it coming out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Right, and then what happens? Adrian Martinez makes them look like idiots on Owen Field in the Kansas State game, and the same old problems crept up. Over and over and over. And quite frankly, when it comes to this conversation, maybe the biggest question mark for Oklahoma football is can Brent Venables be a head coach? Can he manage the game as a head coach and not as a defensive coordinator? That may be the – because when you when you look back, two, I think there were two huge factors in last year's team being 6-7 and seven versus the 11-2 and two the year before. One – Caleb Williams wasn't on the team. And two, Lincoln Riley knew how to manage and massage the ends of halves and the ends of games so much more effectively than what we saw from Brent Venables. 
And to me, that that may be the biggest key of the whole thing is can he actually be a head coach? He's he can recruit as a head coach, obviously, from what he's been able to do. But can he now mold and develop himself to be the CEO and not yeah. and not the defensive coordinator? And his answers to some questions, pre, you know, in Big Twelve media days are not overly positive in my mind. Are you turning? Are you going to turn over the reins of defense? No, I'm still going to be involved. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, we 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 said here we've seen this happen, right? Mm-hmm. We saw it in Stillwater with Mike Gundy. Think about early Mike Gundy. There was times where he was sitting on the bench with his back turned to the field, drawing up plays offensively. And when did Oklahoma State really, really take off as a, as a group? When he quit. When he let that go. Yeah. When he let that go, let his coaches coach, and him just manage the game. I don't know. Well, there's a lot of... There's a lot of things to be excited about, I think, at OU as far as the recruiting and the potential of some of these guys that came into the front from the portal. But until I see it on the field, and until I see it on the field in Dallas because the schedule is so weak up front, I'm not going to believe it. I'm just not. Right. What about around the country? What's the biggest question? I mean, <clears throat> like for me, like for instance, for me, If some of the guys that USC brought in through the portal defensively can make a difference, then I think that's absolutely a playoff team. But that's the big if, right? Because that offense is going to – you know that offense is going to be awesome with Lincoln and with Caleb Williams running it. You know it is, right? But can those additions defensively be enough and it doesn't take a ton, but we've seen it, right? We saw this same story. Well, we've seen it doesn't have to be no. much. And I know it's so cliche, and it came from the text line, and, and it's easy to say this, and I kind of agree with it. As long as Grinch is the, de- the, the coordinator, you're going to get a bunch of the same. I mean, there's been that common, common theme there. And until Lincoln Riley takes defense seriously – we thought he did when he fired the brother of the guy who hired him to hire this guy. We were told he was the next dude. He's the guy. He's going to be the Lincoln Riley of defense. Well, no, he's not. And then he took him with him to USC and much of the same results. I know the sample sizes were still very early, but I almost kind of expect a couple of losses because the defense just blanked the bed. Yeah. I mean that's it's the same that's the MO. thing. It's the same thing. You know, and I mentioned earlier about OU losing to a game, just a random game, kind of like they have in the past to a team like Cincinnati or Kansas State or Iowa State. You know, there's always a thing. Let's, oh, you know what? That was a Lincoln Riley coach team. Yeah, it's a Bob Stoops coach team too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was both of them. Yeah. But that but that to me that that is the question though. And that's always been the question for him. And his teams, if if they can get just a little bit of defense, they will win the national <laughs> What's title. It's funny in a weird way. It's almost his job security. It's like, man, one year he's going to have a good defense and they're going to be unstoppable. <laughs> one year that's happening, so let's go pay him bukus of money and keep him here. Let's go poach him from Oklahoma. He'll have that one year, one year over here. Well, when is it? We'll find out. Yeah. But that to me, that's the biggest question. Yeah. Because the talent there is. It's obviously great on the offensive side. It always will be. But if there's you know, a little bit of that. Another topic of conversation, and it came up on the text line in a team I was thinking about. You know, there's been years in the past there's a team like Cincinnati that could break into the college yeah. football playoff. Could Tulane be that team this year? I, I don't know. No, who could that be? We'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you to Rodney and the gang at Paul Jones Drug. It's been a Paul Jones Drug Tuesday on the Skinny on Sports. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Way back.
It's almost here. In motion is Patton. It's going to be that trap play to Garbarino up the middle. That's a 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Big Elks! Cooper Garbarino, 77 yards. We're closing in on the start of Big Elk football, which means Big Elk TV will be on the air before you know it. Wynn and Garza are the running backs. Jones under center. Austin, snap, turn, hand out the win. Jaden piles toward. It's a touchdown for the Big Elks. You'll be able to watch and see if Coach Maynard's brown and white clad Elks can continue their winning ways. Snap back, play action, lobs it toward the end zone. He's got a man. It's a touchdown for the Big Elks. Tucker Garza. To get your business on the Big Elk TV screen, call 225-9696 or stop by our office at 220 South Pioneer.